Welcome to Evolutionary Men, where we learn to lead in life and love with head, heart, and guts. This is for men wanting to deepen their presence in the world, clarify their purpose, more easily connect with their power, and find ease in dating and relationships. I'm your host, Jason Lang. Let's get started. All right, and welcome back. So I'm once again super stoked to be here with my man, Luke Adler, to continue kind of our Heart of Shadow podcast series. And today we, we're here to talk about um, something I think we've both experienced in our own lives, but absolutely something we've seen in many of the men we work with, which is this tendency to be extraordinarily hard on ourselves as men and kind of what the roots of that are, um, what the consequences of that are, and how we think that can be worked with. I was struck, Jason, um, just this week I was working with a gentleman who uh, he was telling me everything he's doing for his career. He just had another child. Um, his wife has some postpartum stuff. And, uh, you know, he's working eight, nine hours a day, goes home, takes care of the kids, cleans. And then he just kind of off the cuff says, um, you know, I'm so lazy. And it was shocking. It was shocking mm. to hear that phrase. I'm so lazy. And I said, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Tell me more about that. We flushed it out a bit. And, um, you know, we started to point out the incongruencies. And he fought me on it for a good 10 minutes that he was lazy. And he shouldn't be taking time to just have some you know, uh, idle time between clients, between patients. And of course it's, it struck me, oh my gosh, here's a guy who's done a ton of work, very kind, very sensitive, very open heart. And he is extremely hard on himself. Um, there was just no room, no room for him and all these people that he's serving, his patients, his clients, his, his colleagues, his wife, his kids, there was no room for him. There's like this underlying belief, if if I'm not, if I haven't given every last drop of me, then some I'm doing something wrong. I'm screwing up. And uh, here we are. Here we are. Yeah, it, it, it strikes me, you know, um, I once heard kind of the summary of the, the pain of men and the masculine a lot of times is just this fear that we're not enough. We're not enough. And that's, you know, an example of uh, I'm only as good as I am achieving or outputting or accomplishing or executing. And that even though I may have a long list of things I'm doing, the list I think I should have is even longer. So I'm failing, right? And I'm a piece of shit or however, the lazy, as he says, we, we start to kind of name, um, and deride ourselves. And I think this is such a common tendency for a lot of men to just constantly be judging ourselves and comparing ourselves to some kind of mythic Superman that can always be executing and achieving and doing more. And that any sign of taking um, our foot off the gas is some kind of weakness. You know, that, that, there's kind of a polarity in that for men and amongst men around um, 
it can get misconstrued as we're sharpening each other when we're offering some criticism or it's very, very uh, prevalent among sports. Like I remember growing up playing soccer competitively and it really mm. wasn't okay for anyone on the team to kind of, to kind of boast about their skill. And in fact, the culture was let's, let's tear each other down a little bit. Let's make fun of each other all the time. And, you know, we, we liked it or we learned to like it because that's how you fit in. But there, there wasn't this space to kind of shine, even though there were some like remarkable people and players. I recently started playing pickleball, which of course is this huge trend in the United States right now. And I'm meeting a bunch of new people and playing with a lot of men. And I've been struck by the criticism um, towards self. I'm playing with these guys, and when they when they miss a ball, you know, it's, it's such a silly game. It's kind of like the ball makes this really kind of funny sound, and it's kind of a goofy social game. But when <laughs> when a guy misses a shot, man, he's like, uh, there's a guy who says, "Oh, if you want to be on my team, we're gonna lose every game. Come and play." Like it, it's like a caricature or a joke of like, you know, um, how shitty I am, and um, let's make fun of each other. And this truly is the culture that we live in as men. It's, 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 hey, let's get together and deprecate ourselves, each other. And it's not so much we're tearing each other down, but we've all agreed to not, not shine. And, and to not even not shine, but just, you know, allow criticism to be, to be part of our culture, particularly towards self and towards each other. There's one more thing. There's one guy that I've been playing with and he, he will like constantly point out when I'm, when I make a mistake <laughs> and I'm, and I'm out there just having fun. I really don't care. It's just idle. It's just fun. Yeah. He's like, well, Luke, you know, step into the ball and Luke do this. And I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to have fun. You know, I'm here to have <laughs> fun. I don't give a shit if I hit the ball over the net, you know, but it's, it, it, it rubs, you know, yeah. it rubs up against something, you know, in me and certainly, um, it, I, I as I step out there in culture more, and it, it's not in, in kind of in a more uh, aw awakened way. I go, wow, this this still is the predominant culture for for men, for women too, but certainly for men. There's this criticism that pervades our social constructs, and of course, then we we self-identify. Yeah, and I think that. Um this is a really nuanced thing in the men's work world because there is so much emphasis on feedback and challenge and that's how we grow. But that is often pretty different than criticism. And the thing I hear you speaking towards is, you know, I think outward facing criticism towards other men has kind of been the more, I don't know, common bro style of like kind of tearing each other down, the, the macho jerk, as I often say. And, um, you know, a lot of guys grew up around that and are like, oh, no, thank you. But instead, they just aim that inward and it becomes self-deprecation. It becomes the way to like, well, as long as I'm tearing myself down, there's no space for you to tear me down. So I better do it first and kind of set the bar low, set the expectation low. It's like the the negative um, side of the whole Eminem eight mile like yeah, if I, if I give you all my shit first, you can't attack me for it, right? And there's like a healthy version of that that's kind of owning that, but then there's taking it too far, which I think is this deprecation, which ties in um, 
a lot of times to to shame. Um, you know, I, I heard, I can't remember where I was listening to, but I heard this great, interesting nuance on shame I had never um, really grokked before of it can be a way to create safety. So when we feel shame, it actually can create safety for ourselves and in our environment. I think deprecation is a big part of that. So men uh, kind of tearing ourselves down can be a way to like, okay, then no one else can tear me down. Uh, and it just becomes a habit, you know, uh, for so many guys, this, this habit of I'm not yeah. enough. If I beat you to the punch of punching myself, you know, that, that there's no more, there's nothing left to beat up, you know, let, let me take myself down Yeah, and, uh, kind of out of the fight before it even starts. I really like what you said there about safety. It's so true. You know, when we, when we deprecate, when we self-criticize, there is a securing of our being in that, that even though we don't get to feel big and bright and shining, we do, we do feel safe. We've established a boundary of, you know, I'm agreed already that, that I am less than and not enough and unworthy, et cetera, and so on. And, uh, anything you say will, you know, just affirm what's already there and can kind of stay small and, and then, of course, just the natural impacts of that on our well-being, on our energy level, on our vitality, digestion, sexual function, mm -hmm. et cetera. You know, it's it's just it's a slippery slope. And, you know, you and I are in our 40s now where, you know, it's, it's interesting at our age. Like, you start to believe that, think that, you know, the health issues really can 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 grow from there. You know, in your 20s when there's a lot of vitality just innately in the system, the inner critic doesn't necessarily show up as much physically because there's just there's just kind of more of a reserve there. But at a certain point, late 30s, 40s, you know, that kind of thinking, that kind of mentality, it really can shut the system down um, in any way, right? Name any part of the system, the immune system, the endocrine system, the cardiac system, everything just, you know, slows down, loses functionality. And this is, I think this is, you know, it's a part of what, our call is is a return to vitality for men and that we don't have to go on with yeah. this narrative that oh yeah you're 40 you know things slow down and you know you're 50 you're getting older and you're 60 and and you know there's some validity to that but that's a story that's a narrative that is actually perpetuates a certain letting go of vitality that um you and i are actually very against that that belief system that says, oh yeah, let's just kind of take our slow steps towards the grave, you know, into the funeral pyre. We'll, we'll just begin our slow death process. Fuck that. You know, that's bullshit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that threshold moment of, yeah, it doesn't have to go that way, but there's more of a choice. There's a choice. Right, we have to start taking action to some extent. It's not like when you're young, there's kind of that automatic energetic reserve and certain level of vitality, but it has to be tended yeah. as we get older. And the, you know, the work we're leading with men, I think, is one of the primary ways we can tend that because you know what we hold emotionally, we hold physically in our body. There's like almost always a correlation there, and that has a massive impact on our nervous system. Um, our energy, all of that, our well-being, our immunity. Ian, um, 
so that you and I were just talking before this call about the, this other um, idea that I just really see showing up in my life that relates to all this and, and with men is often our conception of self is the slowest thing to update. So I see this a lot with guys I do work with or that start doing transformational work. They're making progress. Things are actually shifting, right? Their, their life system, their relationships, they're different than they were. But they still think of themselves as the same person they were. And so all that story perpetuates in terms of I'm too lazy or I'm not enough or I'm a failure. And our concept of self is just really slow to update. And so we'll hold on to these, you know, uh, deprecations, these sources of shame for a long time. And it's one of the things I've loved, you know, about coaching or one-on-one um, -on -one relationships like you work with clients in your clinic um, and particularly in men's group is other people can often see it the change in ways we can't necessarily. And this is, you know, so deeply correlated to what we talk about when we speak about shadow. It's, you know, what's kind of present in our field, in our system that is driving our behavior that we're not necessarily aware of, right? And so sometimes these old self-deprecating voices or inner critic, as we're going to label it and talk about, are doing that, but we're not aware of it, right? So working in a group, people can start, or, or facilitators like us can help us start to see that, oh, wow, this thing is really running the show. And the the crazy thing about uh, this kind of deprecation and inner critic is it's almost always some external voice we internalized, and then we forget that that's not us that, oh, this came to me from the outside, but I've held it so long, I believe it is me. And a big part of shadow work we work with guys is is illuminating that of like oh, tracing back to like, where did you first learn that? You know, no one comes out of the womb feeling shame for themselves, like, or I'm shitty or things like that. It's it's created in, in, in our relationships. But with that comes the, you know, other men can also see not only our shadows, but our growth in ways we can't often see in the moment, right? Because they're not with us minute to minute. Sometimes they have a slightly different perspective. You know, it's, I always used to think about it in terms of, um, you know, fitness. If you're like really working hard to, to get fit in your body, you see yourself every day and it's so gradual, you might not notice it. But then you bump into someone who hasn't seen you for six months. And they're like, wow, you look amazing because they have that wider perspective, that contrast, right? And it's the same thing with our internal growth. And the thing I've loved is, you know, when you have six, seven, eight, nine other men around you who start reflecting like, hey, I don't experience you like that at all. That way you talk about yourself or how you're sharing about your life, like that is not the man I see or know that's in front of me. And then as the person receiving that feedback, we always have this moment of choice that's like, well, either all of these other people are batshit crazy and lying to me, or my self-concept is pretty distorted. Which one's more likely? And then that becomes this moment of actually trusting the group that, wow, I, I trust that what you're seeing is actually 
a better representation of me than I even experience myself right now. And I'm going to trust that. And I'm going to go with that because I believe you're not bullshitting me. That's the importance why you and I, when we design Heart of Shadow, we set it up in a way that the group container is a nine, nine week, 10 week container with a three and six month follow up because we know we can deliver an amazing retreat and create beautiful bonding and have the breakthroughs. I mean, we've done it so many times for many, many years together, you and I, not to mention the decades before that individually when we've trained, that the, the container that allows for the greatest transformation over time is the continuity of a group that's been initiated into a new way of being that's free from the grip of the inner critic. And when you get a group of people together that are committed to lifting people up, to lovingly reflecting each other's highest, highest virtues that are already there and helping them grow, that default culture of criticism that we, we all live in, men, women, non-gender identified, we all live in a culture of criticism. That's normal. That's the water we're swimming through. But when you enter into a new culture that says, no, 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 that culture is deleterious to the health of our species. Let's create this new culture that's about um, lifting one another up, reflecting each other's beauty, virtues, gifts, and skills. Over time, that change occurs internally too. People start to, like you say, eventually they start to see themselves. I see myself as a truly great man, as a great person. Of course, default culture says, oh, you're being arrogant. You're self-absorbed. Like, yes, I know. We can't help but criticize even when we're beautiful. We have to criticize that. We're so obsessed with criticism. We're so obsessed with tearing down. We're so obsessed with creating a half-life around what's whole and unique. When it, when it shines, we have to look at what's wrong. We're kind of obsessed with a glass, a glass half-empty perspective. And that's a choice. We get to choose that. It's utterly refreshing to be in a group where we don't, we can release the weight of that. And we naturally kind of buoy up. There's a buoyancy in the group that everyone feels within a few sessions. You know, there's a, there's a bit of buy-in. And certainly by the retreat, that sense of inner criticism, inner critic, we're more curious about it. We actually see it as a vector for growth and healing. We're like, wow, oh, that's my critic. We can identify it as, as, as kind of, you know, we're seeing it rather than seeing through it. So much freedom in that. And when I was working with this guy that I mentioned beginning, I, I just, my heart, uh, you know, activated. And I, I just so wanted him to be part of a men's group. Here's a, here's a man who's giving so much. He's already very much in his heart, but was being pushed down by his own inner criticism. And it was painful, it was painful to watch that. And, and even it made me sad for the world because the world's missing out on a man who can be resourced and really feel vital rather than, you know, uh, constantly being on that red line of burnout, which really the inner critic is about that. It's like, let me keep you just on the other side of, of dis-ease, you know, of, of unwellness. And that, that, is, that is something we're passionate about because... For us, this is a form of activism. We want, we want men, 
women, people to show up in this world right now. And to do that, we need energy. We need to, we need to create some space from this critical voice that, you know, at, at the very, at the very surface of life, certainly in politics, we, we praise the critic, you know, we've, half of the world is very into criticism so much. So we want to vote it into power as being so powerful. And of course, criticism is a very powerful tool, very powerful. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it strikes me as it relates to the self-deprecation and shame and safety in that, um, it's, it, it's kind of safer, right? So when we're coming from the, the lens of criticism, you know, it's, it's often a much safer place than there is a genuine vulnerability in celebrating, let's just say, or feeling how good something is. Wow. I'm kicking ass in my life right now. I'm feeling a lot of feeling really proud of myself and what I'm created, creating, right? That, that actually takes a certain type of vulnerability because you're opening yourself up to, and it could not be that way at some point. And a lot of people can't hold that. And a lot of men, I think, have a really hard time celebrating in that way. And, you know, um, a, a dear brother from uh, my men's group I'm part of here in LA, remember he always used to call it uh, the process of kind of getting into the group and lifting each other up. He called it the sunlight effect. It's like, a, it's kind of like a disinfectant against all of those ways we tear ourselves down. And contrary to what most men think in these types of groups, when we celebrate or, or share our light or, uh, or what's going right, a lot of guys fear that it's going to come across as like egotistical or so, oh, they're going to think I'm so full of myself. And there may be some places in the world, right? Social media, some other shitty places where, yeah, that's the impact. But what I found in these groups is there's so much nuance and there's so much heart that a man celebrating actually uplifts the whole group, right? So one man might be coming in and having literally the worst moment of his life and another man sharing like, yeah, actually something good happened for me. It allows that other man to feel some positivity in his body, some hope, some appreciation. And it can kind of, there's like an uplifting effect in the group as, as men share their celebrations just as much as their challenges. It's like, wow, so-and-so is kicking ass. Like I can do this too. Cause I've seen his life's not all sunshine and rainbows, but he's making it work. And he's not full of himself for celebrating that. So maybe I won't be full of myself if I celebrate something like that. And there really is that kind of uplifting effect that happens when we, when we ease off the pedal of this, this constant tearing ourselves down as men. I love what you said there. So beautiful that, that vulnerability to, to, to share what's working in your life or just to share authentically what's there. there there's something that's opening about that. There's a natural lifting quality. And, and within that, if, the, if that, energetic experiences honored it invites other men to do that and that creates another kind of safety it creates a safety that's that's more that's more uplifting that's more expansive that's more it's more like you said that sunlight effect there's a sense of wow we're all kind of lifting up together and it, it is true jason that for that for that energy to keep growing we do have to protect it you know, again, this is why our yeah. group, this idea of this more extended container that we have this intent lives on, which we've seen occur now, 
uh, in many iterations um, is so powerful because the group protects that, not just culture, right? Culture is more of a surface word, but it protects that energetic phenomenon of the heart, the mind, the body opening, becoming more vital, more creative, more kind of insight-oriented, productive, but in an integrative way. And and so that's that safety is on this side of the polarity too. You know, where the the polarity of criticism is a contraction, it's a going in, it's a linking up of arms, and it's a battling against expansion. And of course that feels good because you're clenched and you're tight and you're down and you have a you have a kind of a horde, a horde of people with you fighting. But this other mm-hmm. this other gesture is more it's, it's opening, the chest opens, lifts. There's there's a there's a beautiful kind of lifting and opening to the body, and it it has a it, it has a different kind of strength that doesn't need doesn't necessarily need uh, numbers to be powerful. You know, you you have a group of six, eight, ten men who are doing this, and that ripple is is you know I, I believe it, it's power it's powerfully large. It's impactful you know, to families and, and communities and, um, you know, working with the critic, the inner critic is in some ways ground zero of, of deep work. You know, it's, it's facing the limiting, constrictive, crimping energy that, that seeks to, you know, keep our, our light, our intelligence, our kindness, you know, muted coming through a tight a tight pipe you know um yeah 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 and what i love about the experience in groups is so all this said it's not like this type of group you know we're so so fond of that you know we're helping men create it's not that it's without feedback Um, in a sense it's like i can trust to let go of my inner critic because I do trust that if you guys ever saw the men in my group, that I was really going off course, right? Making uh, a spectacular bad decision or treating my relationships poorly. I trust that you guys would name it. Hey, here's what we see. This doesn't feel so good. Like I, I'm a little concerned about how you're showing up here in this relationship. So I don't have to be like as vigilant as breaking myself down all the time. It's like, okay, no, I trust these men. They know me. They know what I care about. They know what I want to move towards in life. And they will give me feedback of the healthy kind, right? Not the, you're a piece of shit, but hey, what's happening here doesn't seem aligned with the man I know. What's going on, right? So even even the feedback becomes kind of sourced by love in a sense. And that's one thing I've always been really impressed by in, in in the groups I've been part of is how different the feedback feels than the inner critic, right? And uh, we're by no means the, the first people that have noticed this, but it's like the way we're willing to talk about ourselves oftentimes is so brutal compared to how we'd be willing to talk to other people, right? When you ask a man, like, would you ever say that to another man or to your son or to hell? No, I would never be that, that mean to someone else yet all day inside. We're just narrating that to ourselves. And part of the group here is kind of 
putting a stop to that and getting like this more corrective, healthy um, languaging and experience so we don't have to talk to ourselves as heavy that way, as, as brutally anymore. And by seeing how other men talk to us and how we talk to other men, it's like we get to change that relationship with ourselves. Wow, there's so much in there. You were saying that I I had this uh, deja vu feeling that I, I didn't remember until this moment. I, th- I don't know if it was probably before doing this work. I I think one of my greatest fears was someone saying to me, Luke, you're a fuck up. You are a piece of shit or you you suck at healing or you suck at soccer or you you um you know just basically you're 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 a bad person i really actually was afraid of that like i lived with i lived in a way where um yeah it's like this feeling of like uh the ball's gonna drop the other shoe's gonna drop um this tension in my body just I remember I haven't felt that in so many you know maybe ten years. But it was always in the background. It was always in the background of like someone. It wasn't so much I felt like I was a, an imposter. People say imposter syndrome. It was just someone's gonna say something really mean to me, really cruel. Like, uh, you're you've really fucked up on that lecture, or you're you that workshop was terrible um or i think you suck you suck at you suck at leading leading breath work you suck at acupuncture you're actually a shitty healer like there was a time when i really feared that and i think um since doing this work like i i don't have that fear at all because I've gotten so affirmed by uh, by the work itself from touching that wound in the shadow work and discovering like, wow, that that was that was really my own inner critic driving me. And then yes, from from the men subsequently reflecting like, oh, you're amazing. And you know, other men that I really deeply respect telling me that I'm actually really great at this stuff and, Oh, and yeah, I, th- I thought I was pretty good. You know, I thought I was pretty good at it. And like, hey, you know, I I think I am really good. And, you know, you, even as I step out there more and more and, you know, we see what's out there in the marketplace, we go, wow, we're, we're actually pretty, we're pretty, pretty good at this stuff, you know. And it's really been from this work that I've been freed from that. It's almost like a sentence. It's a a command inner command that says you are a fuck up you suck at the thing that you think you're good at you actually suck at it i don't have that and it's really because of this work and my men's group over time that have shown me not in one burst like oh you did a good job but like over five ten years no you you really have something you know and, and you've earned it i've i've earned earned my my attainment in a certain way um, and, uh, 
God, what a different world. That's really not until this conversation I could remember that, that feeling that it was more than a feeling. It was this deep fear. You know? Yeah. That real tension that lives yeah. in our bodies and it can yeah. take time to rewire that as, as you experienced. Um, and it takes energy to hold it. So this is an example of, right. That was a siphon of vitality and, you know, what's available on the other side that I've certainly experienced and, you know, is part of the work we can do around the inner critic in the shadow is, um, we can learn to trust ourselves again. Oh yeah, I, I am good at this or I am doing well in my career or with my family or in my growth. And I can trust that. I trust myself. I trust, um, my perception of myself here that I don't have to like, I think I'm doing well, but no, you're a piece of shit, right? You can't trust that. Someone's going to come in and prove to you and really show you that. Yeah, no, you don't have it together here. Um, but as we move through this and start to unwind, you know, oftentimes these, this, this inner critic, this inner voice, the self-deprecation, it goes back really far, you know, not always to the beginning, but often pretty early on in terms of our family system or some of our early experiences that it gets woven into our being. And it's been with us again so long, we often forget that, oh, this wasn't always the case. I was taught to believe this about myself, sometimes consciously by someone in our lives, sometimes unconsciously just by the, the nature of our family system or birth order or all kinds of right, things that are often out of our control. And until we understand that, we tend to carry it. But, you know, we've worked with guys and sometimes it does come down to like a moment we, we pinpoint and get to kind of time travel back to with them and they can see it like, ah, this is, this is my origin story. Wow. And oftentimes once there's awareness there, it comes out of the shadow and we get to have a different relationship to it. Right. That's like, oh yeah, this voice is not me. It started here and it was taught to me or. I used it out of necessity to survive in my life. I had to make myself small or something like that to survive. Um, but now is not then. So, hey, let's try something different here. And then the group itself becomes a safe place to start to experience that and practice that and try that out and get that feedback and learn to trust that internal sense even more and more and more. So it says as a father, you know, I, I, you know, we have that desire to protect our, our kids. And, um, my girls were doing jujitsu a few nights ago and I have a 10 year old and a six year old daughter, nine year old, actually almost 10. And the older, older one was, you know, dominating the little one. And my, my little one started to cry and I said, Hey, get off of her, you know? And, and, uh, it was this moment where I got scared. And, but my tone with my oldest one was like, you should have known better. You know, like, I think I said, you know, you, you got to tune in, you got to be tuned into her. And it was like, just this fucked up parenting moment where the nine-year-old doesn't understand tuning into the six-year-old. And I'm like overlaying some sophisticated attunement. And my, my critic, like I was the critic in that moment for her and, she felt shame. And I said, wait, wait, don't go away. Stay with her. I was trying to keep them connected. And she was just like, fuck you, dad. I want to run away. And I'm like, oh God, I know. And I'm like, but 
you know, stay here. And I was like, oh man, it was just those moments for so many of us that critic comes out in a moment of survival, a moment of fear. And, uh, you know, I've or a moment of yeah. terror, you know, even that's like, it can be well intentioned, yeah. right? Like in that example, you you know, you're just caring for your youngest. Um, but if it has that edge to it, right. Which, which is an edge. I know you've worked right. That your own inner critic in the way that, Sometimes the way we talk to ourselves can come out in, in how we approach other people sometimes too. Yeah, it's just it's amazing to 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 be in the midst of it, to wake up to it in 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 a real moment and go, Whoa, I'm not handling this the way I want to. And I I'm not sure how to get to it, you know, but I know if I'm if I can stay vulnerable, you know, I can I can I can find my way. And um, you know, it's it's such a wonderful, the critic is such a wonderful, uh, an awareness to hold because it, it's an edge into our vulnerability. It's an edge into our heart and into how, you know, into how we, we more deeply want to show up in the world. The critic is a way into that. If we're willing to get vulnerable, right, right with it and underneath it and go, how, what do I, what am I really wanting here? Um, you know, I'm, I'm wanting protect, I'm wanting love, I'm wanting care. Uh, but the way I'm going about it is, is actually not facilitating that. It's, pro it's protecting me, you know, from getting further away from that per, per se, but really not allowing me to take a step towards it. And again, power, power of the group, power of deep shadow work is in a way, we learn the energetic mechanism, the energetic movement to become, you know, aware of the critic's impact and to soften and open into the power beneath it. And these are some of the tools. This is why we keep coming back to this work um, to, uh, to have success, you know, in, in our connection with self, people we love, and... Um, power the power of the group is a is a testimony to that so yeah we have our another programs coming up in three weeks two three weeks we're we're launching again yeah we're about to start our our third third cohort of the heart of shadow and so from you know for men out there who have had that experience of being really hard on yourself and maybe you haven't quite figured out the way out you know you read a book about self-love and you think oh i just got to be you know self-love more um, but then it keeps, it keeps happening, right? It, it's, it's a process we have to go through. And, you know, the thing we've kind of touched on in previous episodes is that the inner critic and shame, those are created socially, right? So that we learn that behavior through relationships, sometimes intentional, sometimes not. And what's important about that is that's where that often has to be healed, Right. And so we can't sometimes learn to just love ourselves. It's through other people loving those parts of ourselves we don't think are lovable that it starts to transform. Right. Oh, no, this guy's celebrating me. He's celebrating how much I kicked ass with X, Y, or Z when all I'm looking at is how I've not been hitting the mark or failing. Right. I'm just locked into that paradigm. But another man 
just, oh no, man, you're doing great. You're making movement. You're changing. I, I, I see you. I see who you are. And it's like that, that starts to penetrate, right? And kind of get underneath all that layered belief and habit and open us up to just not being so hard on ourselves, giving ourselves permission to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? I deserve a day off or I can go to bed early today. I don't have to keep working. These different ways this stuff starts to manifest um, where we, we start to take care of ourselves and honor ourselves and celebrate ourselves and love ourselves just by not being so hard on ourselves. And a group like the Heart of Shadow is a really powerful way to start that journey. And then because it takes time to give you the engine to keep it going well beyond the duration of our program. And we're really excited. We got a great group of guys already forming for this cohort and there's just a few spots left. So if you're a man out there who's ready to make a change in 2024, definitely check things out. You can find out everything you need at heartofshadow.com. Always a pleasure, Thanks, my friend. Good to see you again. you're interested in working with me around dating relationships or your masculine presence in the world, just go to evolutionary.men apply.